So I tell my partner, like, let's go fuck on the huge mattress downstairs. That's like, it's like a boxing ring size. And everyone's like watching. And, you know, there are people watching. And But we start doing the kind of thing that we were doing more of at home at the time, which is like, stop, no, and like a little bit of play fighting. And me being completely oblivious to play party etiquette and not knowing that if people hear a woman saying no and stop, they're going to intervene, which they did. And I was like, just kidding. It was a joke. Like, no, 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 no. I, I was just playing like this is just my thing. And I was like, oh, God. But first, a word from our sponsors. Welcome to the Man or Podcast. Shout out to the fan whores, to the whoreheads, to the pod sluts and the audio files. This is Billy Presida, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. What's up? What's up? Welcome to my series of sex positive conversations coming at you for, well, now nearly 10 years. Yes, that uh, that, that 10 year podiversary is coming up in uh, in a couple months, folks. I think we got to have a party. What if I collaborate with Hacienda for a sex party where you get heavily discounted admission if you <laughs> show that you are subscribed to the show and have left five? I don't know. This is a marketing meeting right now. Clearly not this week's episode with Rena Martin. Yes, this is uh, Rena's episode. I'll deal with the marketing meeting alone in a room with a joint and a big pad. Rena Martin is on the show this week. She is an intimacy coach and educator and author. She has a book out called The Sex You Want. I've listened to her on other podcasts and she's she's talked a lot about her her polyamory origin story, but it was really cool to to get into her poly present where we talk about the bisexuality, we talk about a lot about play parties. And I'm going to share that conversation with y'all in just a little bit. But first, Dates of shows formerly hereto known as show dates. Shout out to everyone who came out to Impact over the weekend. That was such a fun time. This Friday, though, we have the Naked Comedy Shows coming back to Hacienda. We have 8 and 10 o'clock lineup. Super fun time. There's going to be a pair of family members on stage together during this one uh, at the 8 o'clock show. So come on out. There are still some tickets available, like less than 20 or less than 15 tickets are available for each show. So like you really should go click the link in the notes. Why am I even giving you a discount code? But yes, if you're listening, you can use the promo code slippers for $5 off your ticks. This will sell out. Uh, and then next weekend, Thursday, February 29th, I have not the naked comedy show. What a concept that's on the Lower East Side at Lucky Jack's. Take a link for that also up there in the notes. At Impact, there were three different women in the audience I've done things with. One of whom ended up hanging out uh, after the show. We, we dated from like late 2022 to early 2023. And I never really got clarity about like exactly what it is that went down and like why things went down and we kind of like accidentally did the fucking podcast just while playing pool at a bar which is a synchronicity because the the first time night we met and had like a crazy long night out having drinks we did end up playing pool 
till the wee hours of the morning. I don't know what the weirdest reason you've been told that somebody didn't want to have sex with you anymore, but I never thought that my lack of eating vegetables was going to be so explicitly a reason given. I forget how we got there, but I think we eventually got to the question of, yeah, so like, when did you stop being sexually attracted to me? And she just realized I didn't like to eat vegetables and it really, really dried her up. She's, it was two things. She's like, you don't eat enough vegetables and you have to stop coming on the floor. By which she means like when I masturbate, she, she's like, you have to stop coming on the floor when you jerk off. Cause it's not like I, it's not like when we were fucking, I would like pull out and then jizz on the floor. I don't have a weird floor fetish. I shouldn't say weird. If you have a floor fetish, that is fine and valid. But like your weird fetish is not my weird fetish. And that's okay. Uh, (laughs) So she's like, you have to stop jacking off onto the floor and you don't get enough fiber in your diet. And those were like the two very serious and only reasons I was given so far. I am sure we will get into it because she has also agreed to do the podcast. Like, so we're going to do what we did Saturday night, but like longer form recorded, like the good old days of this show. It's weird because she said that I, you know, you don't eat enough vegetables. I'm, I'm eating green beans a lot now. For those of y'all who watch my Instagram story, you know that Billy is a cooking fiend. And when I was in Los Angeles, hold your fucking dicks, everybody. But uh, someone here ate pad thai for the first time. Yeah, yeah, okay. So no more fucking snark, Rhonda, about uh, Billy's diet. Billy doesn't eat vegetables, okay? I ate pad thai. I think there was vegetables somewhere in all of that. So middle fingers in the air, okay? I'm a 34-year-old man who will try foods. The fan whore appreciation moment is that time of the show where I like to give a shout-out to members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Patreon is the best way you can support me and the Man Whore Podcast with not just your downloads, but also your dollars. And yes, I did check with the landlord. She ain't taking downloads. She she would like still cash, but I am holding out that at some point downloads or free promotional condoms will become currency because then like I'm kind of I'm set up. But for now. Your dollars are what keeps this show going, and I'd like to show that appreciation by saying thank you to Erin Town. Hope you're enjoying your poly commune down there. Welcome to the champagne room. Hope to see you pipe in a little more. And uh, and thank you so much to David Calkins. Buddy, let's get you in that peep show, okay? Let's complete that process. Hit me up. You too can become a member, support the pod, enjoy a slew of great rewards, including an invite to tomorrow's hot movie night. We'll be watching uh, the, the 1976 Alice in Wonderland porno. I am terrified for so many reasons. It's Mary Beth's going to like this one. I just have a feeling. I don't know. I think she's going to dig it. Become a member today. Support the pod you love at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Rena Martin. This was part of my uh, series of Los Angeles recordings while I was out on the West Coast recently. Her book, The Sex You Want, is newly out on shelves. There's a link in the schnotes. 
if you want to get it at my bookshop.org link. When you order books from bookshop.org, not only does it get your books from an independent bookstore, but they also throw some dollars Billy's way. And that's a great way to just support indie, indie, indie. Anyways, a lot of talk about play parties and sexual compatibility right now with Rena Martin. When we met, we both kind of identified as solo poly, and that was new for me. But for him, he's like, I've been pretty much doing this most of my adult life. And um, so our our relationship in terms of like what ENM, ethical non-monogamy, looks like for us has evolved over time. And now we're, we're pretty poly and, um, and pretty open and transparent about how we live and how we love. And it's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Especially after coming out of the, the marriages that you I've heard that you did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, trial and error. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Wait, so are you doing more polyamory now? Just yeah. So, okay. So yeah. I think what I heard you on a couple years back said, Ooh, the poly thing. That's that's a scary one. I, I stay like this. I like to just do the non-monogamy. I want to fuck around. I don't want to love around. But yeah. sounds like that's changed. What changed? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what changed was that last year, in spring of last year, um, and, and just leading up to that point, we were kind of in a place where we would, for the most part, date together and and kind of date women together. And sometimes, you know, he would have a date with them. Sometimes I would have a date with them. And that was kind of how we were doing that um, at that time. And then I met someone on my own. And I was like, this isn't just someone like I want to hook up with. This mm-hmm. isn't someone I want us to date. This is somebody I really like. And I want I want to date this person. And, it, and I like her. Like, mm-hmm. I really like her. And that was fucking terrifying for me. I mean, very scary and really hard because I hadn't had that level of like and interest with anyone in years since I had met him. And um, he's just, he's just so wonderful. And he was like, okay, I'm not going to tell you you can't, but let's talk about what this means for us. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we started gently opening up some more and here we are today and and i date people and he he dates people and he has his people and Mm. i have mine and everyone knows about each other and we're all cool with each other and it's it's pretty awesome but you know last year we had to have a lot of really really hard conversations Mm. and the conversations those hard ones are now further and fewer in between and but you know anytime you're talking about anything other than monogamy, it's going to involve so much processing and so yeah. much talking and and renegotiating and and things come up and saying, okay, well, what is this hitting on? And why am I bothered by this? A lot of self-reflection, sometimes some arguing and sometimes some tit for tat. And um, you're, you're forced to have the conversations. And in monogamy, a lot of folks are like, no, it's just to set it and forget it. We don't need to talk about it. And then they get to the point where the car is smoking on the side of the freeway because they haven't done the routine maintenance. And there you go. Like, what was one really difficult conversation y'all had to have while making that transition last year? Hmm. I mean, I, there's so many, but um, I'll pick one, which yeah. was, hey, how would you feel about like me going out of town with someone else? Mm. Right. Or when he first discovered that, I had had a sleepover that kind of like went late into the day. That was a hard one. Okay, let's go with that. Yes. Because uh, this is with somebody who who I'd been seeing for 
for quite a bit. And he and I, we live, we live separately and he lives right around the corner from me, which highly recommend. But um, <laughs> no, I think, I think at like 1 PM and I didn't want to be rude. And, and he and I both understand like, Hey, let's be present when we're on dates with each other yeah. and not necessarily text other people and let's be present when we're love on that one dates with other people too and um monogamous or not by the way love that rule yeah we're at dinner together why are you texting your friends right i'm not texting my friends i'm not checking the score of the game let's be here and you know exceptions to every rule but like yeah within reason and sometimes we'll be like hey do you mind if i check my phone for a few minutes yeah. And that's fine, too. But I had not checked my phone because I was trying to be present. And then like 1230 p.m. rolls around and he's like, are you OK? Because he had not heard from me. And he'd been like, you know, good morning and this and that. And I was like, oh, yeah, um, I'm not going to say her name, but so and so just left. And I think his mind went to a, this is me guessing that his mind went to, oh, my God, they've just been fucking all morning kind of thing. When in reality, that had not been the case. We were like having coffee and bullshitting. I think we watched some TV. Like we were yeah. just hanging out. And so he was like, I just wasn't prepared to know that you were, you know, there was a sleepover and then you two spent the whole day together. And now not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And he kind of knows like, okay, if somebody's staying the night, Rena will let me know when she's awake and available. She is alive. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's fine. But that was one of those like, whoa, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Moments that that we had. But now- no big deal. And and he said that before. Like, the thing that's bothering me today is probably going to be no big deal a month from now. And um, so, so yeah, we've had a lot of things that we thought were big deals that now are just like, meh, it's a thing that happens. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. But yeah, well, it's a good time to say I'm here right now with intimacy coach and educator and uh, author Rena Martin. Uh, she's got a new book out called The Sex You Want. Uh, glad mm-hmm. to get to meet you in person. It is um, it is something interesting that stuck out to me with that description of uh, of you know him and you and your different times when you met. Of like you going, I want to do non monogamy, not poly. He was kind of doing the poly. So was there any conversations about like, oh, we get to only do poly once you finally like have romantic feelings for someone else? No, no, because, you know, as for me, it came out of the blue. It's not like I was on an app trying to meet people. This was like somebody I met very organically. And I'm like, oh, shit, I want to date her. And, you know, when he had been practicing poly, when we met, he was doing kind of the solo poly thing. So he didn't have a primary partner. He did not want a primary partner. But he had these kind of, you know, coexisting relationships and people he dated some for longer terms than others. Um, But but it's. He he wasn't talking about them to each other. Like he was he was very autonomous in that way and was just like, I'm not gonna be monogamous to you. You're not gonna be my girlfriend, kind of thing. Mm. And and at the time when we met, I was like, I don't want a boyfriend. I'm I'm coming out of a marriage. I want my autonomy. I want to have separate relationships too. So we both wanted the same thing. He had already been practicing it. And then, you know, as the universe happens, it's like, hey, you two are going to fall in love and you're going to want to be together. And then that happened. And then the pandemic hit, which caused us just by definition to to close up Mm -hmm. a lot. And then for the first time, we started dating together. And then um, and now we are here today where we are, where we are, we're poly, um, but hierarchical. So everyone knows that you know, push comes to shove. He is my priority. Um, we spend holidays, you know, with our families. I go see his family. So, so for all intents and purposes, we are a traditional couple. 
in some ways, but yeah, we don't live together mm. <laughs> or, or yeah, maybe we're not a traditional couple, but, <laughs> but yeah, he is my person. You know, my cat had to have surgery recently. He's coming with me yeah. to the vet, right? He goes out of town. I'm the one like taking care of his cat. So he is my person, but we have other people who are people to us, but they're not our people sure. in that same way. When you, when y'all go on dates together, uh, you know, like do, do you, either y'all have like a distinct kind of roles, um, like, are you like a certain type and he's a certain type and, but together it's like a, uh, it's a great date for that third person to be on. Oh my God. Okay. So I, yes, he's, well, and it's not these prescribed roles. It's just because of who I am sure. and because of who he is. And I am definitely um, the louder one in the relationship. And so I'm the awkward one at dinner who's like, bah! and and so, you know, when we've had like group sex situations before, I'm the one who's like, I'm the consent fairy. Is everyone okay? Are we checking in? You good? You good? You good? Are you sure, are you sure you're good? Like yeah. kind of thing. And I just thought that's the role of the person with the pink hair, you know? <laughs> In an orgy pile, it's like, who has the pink hair? That's the consent fairy, okay? Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's like, you know, I, I am that person. And and uh, my partner, you know, when we're on dates, he's he's a lot more cool than I am. Like, uh, I, I'm not cool at all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> he's the smooth talker. He, yeah. When he speaks, everyone's definitely listening. Well, they're definitely listening because he is kind of soft-spoken, actually. Um, but and so you kind of you you have to lean in to listen. But he doesn't. Um, he uses fewer words and is a lot more deliberate about the the words he uses. Whereas I just won't shut the fuck up. So. Same. That's my role as well. I feel like I need to entertain. Yes. 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 Fill the empty void. Uh, and would y'all date like couples together or solo? Uh, you know, single people or whatever came about. Yeah, mostly just single people. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also, I also like uh, overheard like the play parties. I think like you, you know, kind of made a little reference to that too. Was that something you started going to with him originally? That was something that my um, that my ex husband had no interest. I don't even think we talked about it because he was very, very clear that he only wanted monogamy and even the idea of a threesome. He's like, ah, too, too complicated. Why? So I'm working so hard just to get you off. Like, I, <laughs> That's a whole other story. I'm like you're giving you're giving him a lot of credit there. Um, but <laughs> there's a whole chapter in my book on that. Um, can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but no, that, this was like a bucket list thing for me. Like, fuck, I want to go to a sex party really bad, yeah. and um, and so that was already on my agenda. One of my very dear friends was kind enough to say, like, I'll go with you to one arena. Female friend, totally platonic. Sure. And uh, luckily for her, I met my my now partner, and he was like, "Fuck it," and he had never been to one, and so we went to one together, which I describe in in detail in the book, and um, it was a terrible sex party, like absolutely terrible. Oh, do tell. Okay, so I had been told about this one by someone I know who is very involved in all the play parties here in L.A., and um, she had said, you know, don't get there until after midnight, and I I don't roll to things after midnight unless I've been like out at something else first and my partner he's kind of an early bird too so we're like having a late dinner or we're like going for drinks we're just killing time until get after a nap midnight. in at like right. four o'clock five Red o'clock yeah. yeah like okay and so we we take an uber we pull up to this nondescript building in east la which um I you know I I'd been to to crime scenes nearby there in the last few years. <laughs> like, no joke. 
No joke. <laughs> You're like 2007. There's a double yeah. homicide. The one corner over. Right. <laughs> and I, I literally told the Uber driver, I was like, can you wait until we're inside before leaving? Because it was desolate there. Yeah. And I um, was the name of the party manslaughter because maybe that (laughs) no and I won't repeat the name of the party here but if you know you know Um, uh, it's it's an emotion that is spelled differently than the emotion so if you're listening to this and you're like I think it might be that you're right Um, but and it not that I was worried what was going to happen at the party but I was like if we have the wrong venue or because it looked like a closed building and so you know door opens we're in this little lobby they check us off the list and we walk in and it kind of looks like what you would imagine, I don't know, like in Napoleon Dynamite, the prom, like or generic, like high school prom location. Everyone. Okay. There's like a stage and, and like, you know, kind of like a wooden dance floor area. Um, but there was nobody there. And on the left side of the room, there was an all you can eat Indian buffet. I shit you not. <sighs> right. Why? I know. I mean, the smell. And and so I'm walking in. There's an all-you-can-eat Indian food buffet to the left. There is a woman behind the bar area, which, as as you've probably experienced, it's either they provide the booze or you bring your own and they kind of hold on to it yeah, for yeah. you. So we'd brought our whiskey. We checked it in with her and we're like, where the fuck is everyone? Like, it's after midnight at this point. And we come to find out that after midnight, everyone's downstairs where the playrooms are. Uh. So there were people there, but they just weren't upstairs. And um, so so that was our first entry. And, and, you know, I said to him, let's just be wallflowers. Like, no expectations. My first time going, your first time going. And he was, like, absolutely fine with that. And because I, I gauged pretty quickly that these were not our people. They were very, like, normal suburban kind of people and i'm like okay we went outside they have a smoking patio there and so we started chatting with a few couples and i was like i yeah like the these aren't the kind of people i would ever hang out with socially it's just we didn't have a lot in common and i'm not judging but i'm like "Eh, these are not my people and yeah just a different vibe than us and so i knew pretty quickly that i wasn't going to be going back there so i think in my head and i didn't do this consciously but in my head i was like i'm never going to see these people again fuck it so i tell my partner like Let's go fuck on the huge mattress downstairs. That's like, it's like a boxing ring size. And everyone's like watching. I was like, let's go do that. And so, so we do. And, you know, there are people watching. And, but we start doing the kind of thing that we were doing more of at home at the time, which is like, stop, no. And like a little bit of play fighting. And me being completely oblivious to play party etiquette and not knowing that if people hear a woman saying no and stop, they're going to intervene, which they did. And I was like, just kidding. It was a joke. Like, no, 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 no. I, I was just playing. Like, this is just my thing. And I was like, oh, God. Okay. And so then we went into a private room and finished. And then we're like, all right, I think we're good. Let's yeah. let's bounce. So that, that was the play party. Uh, it, 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 did it check off some boxes for you, though, like the first time? fucking in front of people you know what's really weird is i've realized because i've been to a lot of good play parties since then happy for you yeah thank you um that i'm actually not as much of an exhibitionist as i thought i was so Mm. the idea of people watching me doesn't get me off and in a way like it makes me more focused on my partner when i do it and everyone else just kind of disappears which I'm like, well, then what's the point of me going here? And I go to fewer and fewer now, primarily because I'm like, actually, you know, I don't 
find a lot of pleasure in watching other people and I don't find a lot of pleasure in being watched. And now I just run into colleagues every time I go to play parties and I'm like, I I don't want to fuck in front of like people I work with. And um, so, you know, I'll go just to really be in community. Like I'm that person. And then sometimes I'll meet people and be like, hey, do you want to like go somewhere else from here? And uh, I tend to go to a lot more women centric parties now on my own or, you know, with friends or people I'm dating. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, because I think a lot of people assume that because my partner and I are not monogamous that we want to swing with other couples. And um, that's just, we don't. And that's not us. And so a lot of parties, you know, that's kind of the default assumption when you walk in the door. And so it's been a little tricky to find spaces where where that isn't the case. Do you um, do you find that you are dating outside of your relationship more women than or pursuing more women than men? Yeah, uh, pretty much only women. Only women. <laughs> I, like yeah. I got the one that I need. That's <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that um, I, I'm good when it comes to cisgender men. Like, I'm pretty good. But so I date, um, I mean, historically, and as it's been so far, cis women, trans women, and uh, and non-binary folks mm-hmm. who are mostly assigned female at birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the femininity. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, all the, like the femme-centric play parties, those I feel like are in such high demand. How do you, how do you find them? Yeah. So there, there are a few flavors of that. Um, I talk about a few of them in my book, but mm-hmm. Skirt Club yep. is, you know, pretty much if you are a bisexual or I'm going to quote them, mm-hmm. bi-curious woman and are pretty femme that's kind of the place for you. And they operate events all around the world. And it's really catered for people who are either late bloomers in exploring or, you know, are kind of nervous about doing it for the first time. And so they make it a really safe space. And yeah, I've gone to many of their events and some Mm -hmm. of them aren't even full-blown play parties it's like a little mixer and you get to meet people and and they have games that you play and so um so those exist all around the world um they tend to be pretty cisgender centric um a lot of i think as genevieve has described it like it's a party for um like by women who have a guy at home I'd say that's that's the majority. Um, the first event I ever went to, every woman who I just happened to make conversation with that night was married to a man. Yeah. And so that was kind of the default. Um, but I've been to a lot of her and, and their events that I've met people who like, yeah, I actually always identified as a lesbian. I'm actually dating men for the first time now or people from all walks of life. So I don't want to stereotype what they're doing, but there's that. And yeah. then – here in LA, there are a couple parties that I go to that are hosted by Justine Cross, who's a dominatrix yep. here. And so, Both been on the show. Oh, my God. Two for two so far. Okay, oh, my God. How funny. Genevieve and Justine. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. And so Justine has BDS Femme, which is a play party for, for women. And so um, – Cis women, trans women, you just have to identify as a woman, and it's the place for you. And then she has one called Chroma that's basically for anyone who is not a cis man. Yeah. (laughs) So um, you can be assigned male at birth, and maybe you identify as as non-binary or – but um, trans men can – yeah. Yeah, trans men can come, trans women. um, But uh, yeah, so she has that too. Both of those tend to be more kink-centered. So I have yet to find like the perfect – play party that is that is women focused that's a bit more 
queer, a bit less cis focused, mm. but isn't so kink focused. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like if we could take some of the great parts of all the parties I mentioned and put them in one place, that would be like the party to end all parties. Yeah. But um, as of right now, you kind of have to pick from the buffet and, and what you want. Well, I, you know, I feel like the more uh, intersecting, uh, and the, for lack of better language, feel free to correct me, but like intersecting like minority identities you have like that's less and less people like that could go and then you still have the people who uh who who want to go to a play party can afford that party and are free that night right right so it, it can be hard to when you want to like overlap like enough of those things together um and but it totally makes sense are expensive to, i mean the good ones are are expensive yeah. the big ones are expensive and so yeah. it's also understanding that you know especially if we're talking about certain parts of marginalized communities like right. where is their space to go right where is a place that they can go that isn't catered toward toward financially affluent people that's another yeah that's definitely another element at play um do the parties some of the parties you go to offer like volunteer opportunities like where you can volunteer for your ticket you know, um, like work the yeah. door, do the bartending or something. Yeah, I know that that some of them do offer volunteer opportunities in terms of yeah, door person, bar barkeeper, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> barkeeper, yeah. bartender, or or being you know a, a consent or guardian there. Um, but yeah, I I I would imagine though that they're gonna pick people who they already have a relationship with and who they trust sure, based course, on the nature yeah. of the space. But yeah, you raise a good point, which is. There are probably ways for you to to go, but then at the same time, it's like you're you're the hired help there, right? So to speak. Okay. I mean, I guess it depends on like how they structure. I know like a hacienda, like uh, like like bartenders will be like two hours, yeah. and if the party's like eight or six or eight hours, like you, you know, you get a good time out of it. Um, or the guardianships are like an hour, but it's um, it is interesting because there's also a level where like if the party's too cheap. I don't know that I trust it. I remember mm -hmm. pre-COVID times, there was a party. It was a kink party at a bar. So I don't think you could like play play, but it was, it was, it was like a kink party and it was $5. Mm -hmm. It was like, I don't know, you could beg that off the street in an hour. It's like, I, I don't know if is that, uh, I, I'm, I'm all for affordability and accessibility and what, but maybe we could raise it above yeah. five. Um. <laughs> or it's like you have something that's an entry point like that that isn't a play party where you get to meet people. And then you have, you know, someone who's like, anyone who wants to come back to my place after this and do the less G-rated version of this, there's a, there's a place to do that. It's just you got to know the right people. And I know there are some good like threads on, on Reddit to kind of find those people. Yeah. And I know some people in LA who have created their own, you know, WhatsApp thread of whose house are we going yeah. to this weekend type of thing well so many people you know do ask it, it, what, for whatever type of party they're looking for they're asking how do you find uh, a play party and you know i think it's interesting because the i think the best ones do some kind of screening to some extent yes. whether it's a, a non-play event or an application or whatever um but even to get to that point people don't know what what are ways you might tell people yeah i mean that that is one way to go they're also like Justine Cross, she offers like a play party 101 kind of course that you can take mm -hmm. um, to, to learn about things. I think it's hard if we're talking about men, like cis men who are like yeah. unpartnered. I'm like, I, I really just want to go to one because I, I don't know if this has been your experience, but most play parties are like, Either you can't come unattended, or we have such a limited number of tickets, or your tickets are twice $300. as much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So so that's tricky too. And I can understand as a woman, like I understand why that is done, but also it puts men in this position where it's like, I have to come and I can't be a creep, right? Which that, of course, no one should come and be a creep. But But if they're white knuckling it, like I feel like that's almost where mistakes happen. Yeah. Where I think I see some guys or I witness or hear stories where I think that guy has had this negative effect, but it came from this place of like trying not to fuck up that you then fuck up. Yeah. You know, it's this nervous energy of like, I don't want to, I don't want to, but then we sense that nervous energy and that's uncomfortable too. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you got to be able to come and be chill. For sure. For sure. Um, But I, you know, at Hacienda, like I, um, you know, I've heard about parties having those policies, but since they've always been like, whatever it was always just like you had to um come through a recommendation so there's like social accountability so if i fuck up like somebody else is gonna get a phone call and that's why i'm like picky about like who i refer because then i know if they do something at a party i'm not at i'm getting a phone call um i could lose my invitation privileges something like that right right um and i think when you cultivate a good orgy population it kind of works itself out that you don't need to be so weary. Like everyone pays the same price at Hacienda regardless of gender, partnered, unpartnered. Yeah. And uh and and I think that only comes from like if you've like called a good population or list or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I know like not every community gets to you know has the benefit of like building that or yeah. Whatever. It's hard. And it's like, okay, well you build the party that you wish existed, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and the party you want to go to doesn't exist, find your people and try to build the party, you know, build it and they will they will come. Ha <laughs> ha. And if you're a group of femmes who want to have a party in LA, like it, it sounds like what you want, maybe you all need to link. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also the name of a party in New York. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? But um, <laughs> very king party in New York. Yeah, yeah. Invite me, but I probably will not fuck at your party based yeah. on all the reasons I just said. But I'll be a really big cheerleader. <laughs> well, I was gonna say like you're seeking like fem. <clears throat> I wrote down just while you were talking before like um you're seeking out like fem parties, but again you don't feel like that exhibitionist streak is really there. So is it again to like being community is like being at an orgy a way to be in community for you? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really for me, the conversations that I have with the people before and after, because, um, you know, for so long, I felt like I didn't have my people. Mm-hmm. I didn't have people who I could have openly sex positive conversations with. And this is really, you know, my journey. And, and so one of my favorite parts of going to play parties is, is the part, before and the part after where you're like swapping you know hey i'm gonna go to be in this city where what are some fun places i can go to or conversations with doms about the work they do with clients who are trauma survivors i mean just really fascinating conversations with people and then sometimes you know i will meet people and connect with them and i'm like i would like to go out on a date with you sometime but we're not gonna fuck here kind of thing yeah so yeah uh you know you're, you've had like such a journey just even with, when you were like, I don't, I didn't have anyone sex positive to talk to. I know you were having discoveries like in your earlier monogamous married times of questioning even the concept of monogamy, but was sex positivity something instilled in you back in your twenties? Again, I don't, I don't remember the timeline, but I think twenties safe to say, um, were you seeking that out? Were, like, were you conscious that like, I don't, I don't have anyone I can really talk to about sex. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I discovered just the concept of polyamory in my late 20s um, because I met my first poly person who's still a good friend of mine to this day. And he 
he gave me like Esther Perel's book, Mating in Captivity, and then just like told me about polyamory and like, yeah, there are people who do this ethically. And I'm like, what? Are you fucking kidding me? And so at the time, I was just, I was super stoked on this. And then I started actually trying to find poly people and it was very difficult. And now it's like the, I hear people complaining the opposite way. Like who are monogamous, they're like, why is every dude on the apps poly? Like, and so it's like, um, yeah, what a time to be alive now. But But after going out on dates with like 30 different dudes and asking every single one the same question on said date, even if I knew it was somebody I didn't want to go out with again, um, you know, hey, what are your views on monogamy? And not having a single one of them say that they were interested in anything other than monogamy. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to be alone forever unless I just like conform. And so I did. And then, you know, started practicing unethical non-monogamy and Mm. that's when I landed myself with a very good therapist who um I came to and was like you need to fix me like there's something wrong with me here um you need to make me want monogamy I have this really good life and and I need you to like help me stop cheating essentially and she was like I mean, she didn't say this the first day, but over the course of our work together, she convinced me like, you're not broken, Rena. You're just wired differently. And that's okay. Because for as long as I can remember, I, I've i struggled with monogamy. And and now I realize, yeah, I'm I'm just different. And this isn't, this is an orientation for me and not a choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When in the earlier times when you're struggling with monogamy and don't realize that you're wired differently, don't even realize there's really this valid other option. What's like going on in your head? Because I've heard people say they've been like, quote, like prone to cheating. Yeah. Is it, is it, what's going on in your head? Like, yeah, during that time period? I think it's a matter of craving intimacy, not even sex, but just craving intimate connections with other people. And yeah, you can have those in platonic friendships, but there's something different about like sitting cross legged on the floor, you know, looking across from someone. And having a moment where it's okay to then like kiss in that moment. And I would fantasize about that, you know, people who like I'd have crushes on people while I was in law school and Mm. just wondering not what it would be like to run off and marry this person, but like, wow, like what would it be like for us to have a proper date and really connect and then be allowed to take it a step further if we wanted to. And so that, it was it was not the sex per se, but really just different forms of intimacy that I wanted. Were you seeking intimacy outside of the relationship for like to re- to fill in a gap or looking for additional? It, I, it, was, it was more to fill a gap. Like we were very good friends. Yeah. And, and we were good travel bu- buddies and we were pretty good roommates. Like, and he is a good person. And so I don't, I don't want to, you know, talk shit about him. Sure. He's a good person, yeah. you know? And, um, but we, we just went from being romantic to platonic and I, I craved romance and mm-hmm. that's, that's what I wanted. And that those were the needs that I was feeling. Was there, an, 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 like, was there ever something outside of the, like, you know, the first three dates, was there ever something carnal and very intimate going on? Like, or was it kind of quickly platonic? Oh, in, in our relationship? Yeah. No, I mean, our relationship was never built on sex. Okay. Um, but we hit a point a few years in and I, I now in hindsight can kind of see where that drift started. Um, I'm like, this is going to come out of left field. Um, I I fell into an oven while on a girl's trip. 
I know. <laughs> he just put his mic down. It's just so that I have to shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> <laughs> I fell into an oven <laughs> while on a girl's trip uh, to Palm Springs. Um, Wait, is this what girl's trips involve? Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Feel free to interrupt. I didn't it's know there were so many ovens on the... Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, okay. Long story short, because people no, are like, how does this happen? How does this happen? Um, we're all drinking mimosas. You know, there's like a dozen of us. And uh, I went inside. So we're staying at this condo. We'd been going in and out of the pool and... Everyone's hanging out on the balcony of this condo, and I'm about to go inside to go pee. And my sister, who is part of, you know, the dozen of, of the ladies, was like, oh, would you mind checking on the flautas that are in the oven? Because she had we bought all this food from Costco. I was like, sure. So I opened the oven door. This is the part where people are like, I don't actually want to know the details here. So do you want to know what happened? I would love to understand the physics of falling into an oven. Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, I'm like, and the flautas were just kind of sitting on on the rack, on the grate in the <laughs> oven. There was no tray or anything. And I am like, all right, where are the oven mitts in this joint? But it's like some Airbnb condo and there weren't any. And there were no like towels in the kitchen other than paper towels. And you might be wondering, Rena, couldn't you have just gone into the bathroom and gotten like a hand towel? Yes, but hashtag <laughs> fucking mimosas, right? So I'm like, nah, nah, this will be quick. Like, I'm the person who, like, uses my bare hands to, like, flip tortillas on the stove. Like, I am that person. Um, and so I was like, I'll just, you know, kind of reach in and gingerly roll these over. And um, because it was a tile floor and we had been going in and out of the pool all day, as I was reaching into this oven, I, I lost my footing and I slipped and I fell. Anyway, first trip in an ambulance, first time ever having morphine, and I spent a year in in recovery and in, in burn recovery because I had burns on my arms, um, in occupational therapy, and during that time, my my then husband was amazing. Like he he would come with me to all my doctor's appointments with like the the burn specialist because he was like, okay, I'm taking notes. Like I want to make sure this is all good. Oh. Like he had his like own little kit with everything he needed because I couldn't change my own bandages because they were on my arms. And so he became my nurse. And I think that is kind of when things changed for us mm -hmm. is that, you know, he's, he's taking care of me. I am wounded. Like, and, um, and so if I had to kind of figure out and give him some grace here, as far as what might've happened, um, perhaps that's when things just, you know, the frequency of sex started going downhill. But again, our relationship had never been built on sex to begin with. Um, were you finding yourself less turned on by him after that? Um, yeah, I mean, it just neither of us was really making the effort to do mm. anything. It was like, we are two friends and you take care of me and we cuddle and we are affectionate, but we are not sexual, mm. if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. I, I was I was wondering if maybe there's anything about like someone taking that much care of you. That changed it for me. Yeah. I think it really changed it for him. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this was a conversation that, that I would normally bring up as like, hey, we're not having sex. Like, hey, I'm not having orgasms, like kind of thing. And um, and this, you know, I talk about in my book because um, I was shamed for like needing vibrators and that kind of thing. So there are other things that were happening in our sex life, which were not awesome. But at the time I thought, well, is this so much, is this enough for me to leave, mm -hmm. right? And um, so I stuck around a lot 
longer and you know, I think married somebody who I didn't have that much sexual compatibility with even when we were having sex because he was a really solid, great guy. And um, yeah. Do you think there's any element of solid, great guy, it's just sex, why do I want to trade in all this great guy, caretaker, has got the thing, will change my bandages, good cuddler, travels well. Why would I want to trade all that in for better sex? Do you think that's at all at play? And do you think that's something a lot of other women are kind of are out there doing? Absolutely. Yes, yes. Um, a lot of us are staying in relationships where it's like, well, I can't be too picky kind of thing, right? Or, or And really, the problem lies in this, that we're not actually, many of us aren't taking the time to determine sexual compatibility with somebody. We're placing weight on other measures of compatibility. And when you think about it, sex is the thing that distinguishes friends from romantic partners, right? Unless you're on the asexual spectrum. Right. So, you know, well, that's the caveat. I'm going to put sure. that aside for the time being. But but sex is what makes us like lovers. It's what distinguishes coworkers and friends and family members. And, and so yet it's one of the last things that people seem to prioritize in terms of gauging compatibility with one another. And it's also what we've decided to use as the metric of when something's serious or not is when we don't have sex with other people. Yes. Like, yes. I don't know why sexual fidelity is the is the thing that like made this grail. more, oh, are you guys serious? Oh, you're fucking other people. So you're not serious. I'm very serious about this yeah. person. And I fuck other people. Yeah, and so I'm gonna like definitely botch this paraphrase here, but Please. I'm gonna quote I'm gonna quote like our hero, Dan Savage, because <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he says, you know, on the one hand, sex isn't so important that if you end a relationship or decide not to date someone because of lack of sexual compatibility, that makes you some sort of freak or pervert. But at the same time, it's so important that if anyone dares do it to someone else, it's the end of your relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we're holding these two contradictory views of sex at the same time. Yeah. And people, I say, fucking do it soon. Like, Sexual compatibility is going to be a lot more important than watching the same or enjoying the same reality TV shows. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a metric of getting to know somebody. And so this whole, like, make him wait kind of thing, I I just, I completely disagree with. Like, have sex as soon as you want to. But yeah, you know, as, 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 make him wait for as long as you want yeah. to. Jeez, I've, I've made women wait just because that's what... I wanted to do right yeah. like do it when you want to do it but don't do it because of some weird fucking rule it's outdated right yeah right and it doesn't have to be like you know okay we're going to intercourse right away like get sexual and that can yeah. be like a hot makeup like yeah. there's so many ways or or even talking about it like i tell folks you know talk about sex like before you, way before you get into the bedroom yeah. but like do you have any kinks what are your views on monogamy like all the things right and um there are ways because pe some people say, well, I don't want to have sex right away. I want to build up to it. Cool. Yeah. Figure out other ways to determine sexual compatibility then. And and I give people a lot of ways to do that in my book. So I'm just going <laughs> to plug that real quick. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. It, 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 on the on the kind of settling for like the guy who checks all these other platonic boxes. I mean, I think it's also like a, just a sad state of the options out there where they go like, I've dated so many shitty dudes who made me come. Yeah. I'd like a guy who treats me decently. And then it's like, it breaks my heart that I feel like there's so many chicks who have to like, who are like picking between 
someone I think is attractive and is hot and exciting and someone who like is a decent human being to me. But think about it this way. Say you are the guy who's the nice guy, right? Who who like I've been chosen because I'm the nice safe option. How shitty is that for you to know that this person is not fuck yes about me? That is, I mean, that's what, like one of my big fears yeah. is uh, someone who, I mean, I've got my own, you know, body dysphoria issues and whatever. And, uh, but so for a long time, and, and, and sometimes I still go into it is I get worried, like, is someone into me right now because of the personality? I know it's great and all. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and some people go, no, Billy, they like you despite your personality. <laughs> but, um, fair. <laughs> but, uh, but the idea of like, like, I want to know someone wants to fuck or is maybe interested in fucking me before I said anything funny or nice to them. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, and so I think sometimes I've said like, oh, I have the type of body where like no one looks at me and goes like, I gotta fuck that guy. It's like, I got the body where someone goes like, I could fuck that guy. Let me hear like his politics or something first. But I mean, I, I don't know. I'm very much of the mind that like, thinking about the best lovers people have had and the best lovers I had, that they're normally not the folks with perfect bodies. They're the yeah. people who are comfortable in their bodies and who know what they're doing and who you've got really fucking good chemistry with. Yeah. And if somebody is not a fuck yes about you, and I'm not saying you directly, yeah, yeah, yeah. but about one, right? But about you, you deserve that. So when when I tell folks, when people are like, well, I don't want to hurt him or her, right? It's like, don't you think they deserve to be with somebody who is a fuck yes about them? Yeah. Like take you out of the equation. Like if you really care about this person, Give them the space to find someone who's like just so excited about them because that person is out there. Mm-hmm. And and so coming from a place of compassion, because that kind of pity, like that that is not what you do to people you love. It sucks. I've been yeah. on yeah, it's not it's not a fun feeling, especially when you find out because like ostensibly you go, this person's fuck yes about me. <clears throat> when you find out that they were not just, oh, things slid off, no. They never really were fuck yes mm-hmm. about you. That's a drop that blows. Yeah. You know, it's like you have you you've been robbed of um of whatever history you had together. It's it's all fake now. Right. Right. And you feel like kind of and I know everyone's throwing around the term gaslighting all the time, but but I mean you can you can feel gaslit. You can also feel like you can't trust yourself anymore. Which then it's fucking hinders me for the next relationship or the next move or whatever, where yeah. now I'm like double guessing. Like, are they just being nice? Are they this? Or, you know, am, am, you know, are they settling for me again? And it's it's not fun for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I will say that when, when my ex-husband and I split up, which was a result of, hey, I'm not wired for monogamy and him sure. being like, hey, I am, he did not shame me for that. And... He's like, I, I actually like, I want you to be happy. And, and that is so great and mature. And so I say this, like, yeah, we, we had some, some compatibility issues, but in terms of like, if you really love someone, you want them to be happy, yeah. whether that's with you or without you. And so if you are someone who's sticking around in a relationship with a person because they're the safe option, like if you really love that person, what is the, what is it that that they deserve at this point. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Before we go, I just want to let you uh, tell people about your book. That's how the sex you want. I think you described it in one podcast as it's a self-help book, but it's not like other self-help books. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me why. 
Well, for one, it's it's narrative driven. So instead of being written by a PhD and talking from thing talking about things from a very theoretical perspective, or creating avatars of fake people to kind of fit a lesson plan, um, this book is different because it's illustrated through the stories of actual women. So myself, clients I've worked with, it's also different in that I actually give you recommendations like go download this app and I okay. give it you by name like buy this product and I give it to you by name you getting like, a cut I am not <sighs> I'm not and and that's why like I'm not doing product placement I'm not getting a cut from these companies um I'm not like and use discount code shameless at checkout like um this is <laughs> no like I, I don't no, do no, that in my book. <laughs> I know that code yeah <laughs> so so I I air on the side of like, dude, no one's telling us like people are in in theory are like, have great sex, love yourself more, but no one's telling us how to do the damn thing. Mm -hmm. And that's really what makes this book different is I'm like, go out and do this. I give you scripts to use. I tell you the products to try out. I try to take the guesswork out of this for you. Another way in which it's different is like I cover, you know, there's a whole chapter on female sexual fluidity where I talk about skirt club, for example, Mm. Um, and women who are like, hey, I'm a late bloomer. How do I start to date women? I talk about that. There's a chapter on non-monogamy. There's a chapter on kink and BDSM, right? So topics that normally would not make it into just kind of a general sex and intimacy book and would typically be siloed into their own book, like, well, you got to go get a book on polyamory to learn about this Mm. and maybe you don't need to know that much about it but you just want like a little intro to it that's what this book is it's different lessons um what makes it different too is that the first third of the book is all about empowerment and your relationship to yourself second section is about how you relate to other people in relationships dating and then we don't even really get to sex until part three okay because i don't believe in just like here are these positions for you to use before going through like, do you actually feel okay in your body? Mm-hmm. Right? So instead of giving out band-aids to people, I'm like, let's assess the wound and actually clean it out. Let's start with your mind and then work down into your body and then look at how you relate to other people. And only once we've gotten that part down, can we start talking about how you can fuck better. So, yeah. Um, Rena, this was so much fun. Where can people go find you, follow you? Uh, there'll be a link to your book in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. Find me at renamartine.com or on Instagram. Uh, and it's underscore rena.martine underscore. You said rena.martine? Mm-hmm. And then another and then underscore? Another, yeah. Some, some asshole took my name. Sa- who same never, here. Who never uses Instagram. So. Same. Yeah. At Billy Presida, they're squatting. Yeah. I'm Billy is Presida. What is this? This is somebody named like Renato Martinez who has not been on Instagram in years. And I sent him a message like, please. And he he hasn't checked it because yeah. he hasn't been on Instagram in years. Meta, give it back. Please. 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 I'm you, begging. You banned my The Billy Presido. What? Because I put a microphone out of my pants? Come on. Oh. Um, but anyways, Rena, this was so much fun. It was wonderful to meet you. And uh, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. Uh, stay curious. Stay shameless. And keep having fun. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. There's just, there's more. I, can you believe it? There's more of me and Rena Martine. If you just, yeah, just listen to a few things. Okay. Some business and then more. And then it's done.
and then you go on to the next podcast or the next episode of The Last of Us. Or maybe this episode ends at just the right time that your car is parked at that place where you're going to do the thing with the person or if you're really lucky with the person's. But for now, let me say that the best place to share your thoughts on this week's show is in the episode discussion channel in the Champagne Room. Yeah, baby. Over 800 whoreheads in there. Link in you know where. You can always share your thoughts, your questions, your criticisms, your titty pictures, whatever, to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Need some bad advice? Shoot me an email. Let me see what I can do for you. I give sincere bad advice. It's not... Funny haha comedy bad advice. I mean, I will sincerely give you advice, but it will be possibly not good. I don't legally have to tell you that, but I just I feel like I should. The 10 year podiversary for this show comes up in like two months. It's April 16th, and I want nothing more than that 500 Patreon members at that point. Let me get two dollars, bruh, lady humanoid let me get that two dollars if that feels like a low number to you fine sign up for an annual membership it's like twenty dollars let me get twenty dollars as the fuji say one time one time link in the schnotes or join up at patreon.com slash man podcast now, I'm going to play a teaser of my bonus episode with Rena Martin. That's going to come out tomorrow exclusively on Patreon for my $5 and up fan whores. Oh, and also tomorrow is ha 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 ha. Hot moving night. We're watching Alice in Wonderland. It's going to be weird. All paid members are invited to that. 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. It's $2. What are, you, what are you doing? Two dollars. Go do that. And stay slutty. I get called in for jury duty. H- how do I get on the jury? <laughs> I, you know, I want in. Okay. I want to say, I got a lot of time. Yeah. I got some time. Sometimes like, I, and I love, look at me. I have this face. I love having an opinion. <laughs> oh, please get me in there. Uh, and <laughs> Honestly, uh, the best advice I got when I was a DA, because jury selection is, is art. It is not science. Okay. Um, and is, would you, if you put all these people at a dinner party together, would they get along? And so I think just being is the answer like, supposed to be yes or no. The answer is supposed to be yes if you're uh, a prosecutor. Okay. Because you don't want an outlier who's gonna who's gonna rock the bow. If you're a defense attorney, leave every fucking weirdo on that jury because we want at least one to be totally unreasonable. Defense daddy, <laughs> get me in there.